0: Hey everybody, I'm Chris and with me is Matt and we're slowing down to better connect with the stories and the people around us between the miles. Matt, it is good to chat with you and uh, you know, hey, listen, I've got a basic icebreaker question. Something that I think a lot of people ask when they're first meeting someone, but little did I, uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, I don't think I've ever asked you this question. Um, I know you like music, right? Most people do um yeah right yeah Uh, Yeah. a little hesitancy on your part that's okay um but you know uh what type of music or or who's someone you're listening to right now that that's that's got your attention that you're jamming out to
1: Mm, put me on the spot okay um well a lot of times i'm i'm running when i'm I'm listening to music right Mm because you're either working you're with family or doing whatever and uh and i'm listening to this uh hip-hop artist his name is russ okay and uh he's got this album it's called there's really a wolf and mm-hmm. i don't know what it is about this album but he's quite the storyteller um yeah. so i'm really enjoying it and i actually just found out he had a book so i was listening to his audio book uh and jumping back and forth between that and the music so yeah uh it would have to be russ
0: sweet sweet i got i got two that i'm listening to i know i'm cheating with my own question so for me <laughs> One of my favorite songs of all time, and uh, for people who know me, they're not going to be surprised, is Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, really, and this is why it's kind of two, um, really, like, uh, there's this one cover of it that has really gotten my attention, and um, and basically, um, it's by Hot Chip, uh, Dancing in the Dark by Hot Chip, and it's this little, like, electronic funk Sort of version of it. So um, you can definitely find it on Spotify. Um, and if you love Springsteen and love that song, definitely worth uh, checking out there. Um, but uh, you know, uh in, in addition to just wanting to get to know you a little bit more, Matt, you know, like uh <laughs> I thought this was a good way to introduce uh, today's guest, uh, you know, Chris Perrazio, um, who I've known for oh man. 17 years, 16 years, something like that for, for quite a while. Uh, Chris and I met um, years ago when I worked at um, uh, Church of the Nativity in Timonia, Maryland. Um, he was, uh, and still is um, in, in the uh, music worship band there. I was the youth minister. Um, and then for a number of years, uh, we uh, actually um, uh, worked, collaborated together because he helped build our student worship band. Man, I, I don't even think this pops up in the interview, but. Um, uh, I don't know if you know this we produced an album together him his friend Simon and I like I did not perform on the album and this was we just album. like snapping your fingers
1: like <laughs> actually, Tambourine. actually I do clap <laughs> my hands
0: on one of the tracks I do do some <laughs> hand clapping um, but uh, no it was uh, with our students there and everything but um, yeah I thought it would be great to bring Chris on the show because he is not only a great storyteller um, but he is uh, also really get good at connecting with people. Um, so Matt, before we jump in, any initial thoughts?
1: Uh, no, I'm excited, man. I, I, uh, yeah, I grew up in a family where uh, the, um, the, the music bone skipped a generation. So it went from my dad to my brother. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got some questions lined up that I, I think, uh, you know, I've always had questions about that I just never asked.
0: Awesome, awesome. So without further delay, here is today's guest, Chris Perazzio. Chris Perazzio, welcome to the show. How are you doing, my friend?
2: I'm doing great. How are you guys doing?
0: Doing well, doing well. So Matt, um, as I was mentioning you to uh, mentioning to you before, uh, Chris and I, uh, Chris and I don't know if you realize this, we've known each other for about 17 years now, like 16 and a half, 17 years. <laughs> oh, so I know. I mean that have...
2: makes sense. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, but yeah, But kind of um, crazy to think about that.
0: But uh, having you on the show is great because, um, listen, uh, there's, uh, you have so many good stories. Uh, Matt, Chris is a great storyteller, but before we get into any of those, Chris, why don't you uh, share with um, our listeners a little bit of who you are and what you do?
2: Sure, um, so um, my name's Chris, and um, I'm a, I'm a musician here in, uh, in Baltimore, and uh, I'm also a uh, music teacher here um in this area and uh have played in lots of bands and released a lot of music and taught a lot of people and done a lot of things in and around um baltimore in uh in that vein for the last uh probably 15 or so years cool cool now
1: are you are you like originally from baltimore did you Mm -hmm. like oh cool cool what uh what area where where were you guys from
2: um uh so I was uh based just Baltimore County. Um so I, I was uh, I've lived uh in Kearney. That's where I was born, kind of near Parkville. And that's uh I live in Parkville now. Oh nice. Yeah. And
1: and so you said you were a musician, right? So you mm-hmm. and Chris uh Chris was prefacing by saying you guys have known each other for 17 years. Um yeah. and and I could tell, right, just by getting to know you a bit beforehand, uh certainly looking you up a little bit, that uh that music's been in your blood for uh, quite some time. So wh- oh, yeah. when did this all start?
2: So I pretty much, I feel like I've been playing music or just been enamored by music my whole life. Um, I uh, I started taking drum lessons because I my primary instrument for years now has always been drums, even though I wear lots of different hats and uh, things like that. But, um, I started taking drum lessons when I was six. So Mm. like officially like taking drum lessons when I was six years old, which is crazy when you think about it. But um, yeah, so I've been kind of doing it my whole life, but even before then, like I remember, you know, driving in my parents' car, you know, always having strong opinions about what was on the radio. (laughs) You know, like, I don't want to listen to a talk show, like put the the music on, Yeah, you know?
0: Uh, so what um what were your parents thinking getting a six year old drums or in- into drum lessons? or was that totally <laughs> you like, mom, dad, I wanna be like you know name that drummer and uh like how how did that how did that happen? Because for me, like I play piano and everything like that, but that was totally like expected seven years old, you're gonna take piano lessons, right? yeah. And then I fell in love with it, but uh, drums, it's not something like parents are like, you know what? Piano, drums, let's go with the drums right now for (laughs) a six year old, so.
2: Yeah, so honestly, I really have no idea. I think it might be, so I know I became interested in the drums because my grandfather, uh, when I was growing up after school, I would go to my grandparents' house. um, And during the summer I would be over there too. And um, in the basement, Uh, He had a VHS tape. I'll never forget it. It's still down there. Uh, I just saw it the other day when I was there. It's a VHS tape of a live concert. And it's like Willie Nelson and friends from like Mm -hmm. 1982 or something. And it's, I just remember watching it and just being completely fascinated by the drummer, you know? And I remember like, there would be other things that like other concerts, you know, that, would be on tape or like if there was like a live show on TV that my dad wanted to watch and stuff like that I would always just be fascinated by the drummer and that's kind of where it all started and my family there are musicians in my family but no one else in my immediate family plays music uh so I don't think I don't think at least that you know there was you know, there wasn't like a, you need to play piano or you need to play guitar or you need to play violin. I think it was just something that I kind of gravitated towards. And uh, I think probably by then they had seen me play sports and were like, well, it's clearly not that. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I think that they were like, yeah, we'll give this a shot, you know, and, you know, worst case scenario, it you know, it's a thing that he goes through and, That's about it. So, um, but yeah, so I think it was just something that, you know, and not, I think it was also that once I started doing it, I really took to it. And I really, I I kind of, I kind of was really serious about it from a really young age and was like really interested in it. So that was something where they were like, oh, okay, well, this might be something worth pursuing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So when you um, when you think about a drummer, right, like mm-hmm. what, like it, it's not something you necessarily go off and have a solo career with. Right. No. I mean, uh, it, 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 you. it's all about being connected to a band, being connected to an ensemble or things like that. Like if you were to s- describe to someone who'd never heard about drumming before, which is kind of hard, right? Because <laughs> it's such an ancient it's instrument. The oldest right? instrument in the world. <laughs> yeah. Right. But like. Well, talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about the um, drums relationships uh, or percussion's relationship to
2: the rest of music. Sure. Um, It's really kind of interesting um, because, like, you know, it's like we said, they're the oldest instrument. It's the oldest instrument in the world. You know, like the earliest things that we have, you know, are logs with, you know, presumably animal skin stretched over them and even like rocks that we know were like these were played upon and stuff like that and you know the only other thing that's older than that are like little like flutes and recorders and stuff like that made out of animal bone so but you know but drums are kind of it's a really it's a primal thing you know i heard it described once it's like everyone knows how to do it It's kind of like written on our bones. Like everyone knows how to play the drums. Like you can sit someone down behind a drum set who has never held a pair of sticks in their life. And they can do like a kind of just like a basic groove. Everyone kind of gets how to do it. And they know, they know that like tribal kind of feel everyone has it in them, but you hand somebody a bassoon like that takes years and years of, expert training you know and that's not to you know to downplay the expertise that becoming a really excellent percussionist takes but you know it's it's just it's a difference so it's it it's kind of an ingrained thing it's kind of written on all of us so it's because of that um when you listen to music <clears throat> excuse me how many people have said like they're like oh well you know i really don't listen to much music i just really like the beat You know, it's like so the way that people even talk about just music at large is so connected to the to percussion and so connected to rhythmic probably more than just percussion in general. So like that that's a really, you know, interesting thing, really, when you think about it, because it's it's imbued in all music, like the, the three basic elements of music, you could say melody, harmony and rhythm. You know, and that rhythm that really gets inside of all of us, and it it's, it really kind of drives it. And that's I'm sure we've all had the experience of going to wherever local bands play, and you hear a band with a not great drummer, and instantly the band you like I don't like that band. Something's weird about it. And that you know, and it's just like when that you know that pulse that thing that we feel inside of us is disturbed in any kind of way. It's a really powerful thing. And we recognize it on like a visceral level hmm. and yeah. So,
1: so the drummer, right? Like the backbone mm-hmm. yeah. for the most part. And and I've got musical people in my family and I'm not a musical person mm-hmm. um, so if I'm not mistaken, right, the, the drums and then the bass line, they kind of have to drive the ship and everything else branches off of that. Or how does that work?
2: So it it's <clears throat> it's kind of interesting. Like, that's always been the like the conventional wisdom. And yes, yeah, the drummer and the bassist, you know, we always have a, a very special relationship like that really creates the strong foundation that everything kind of, uh, you know, goes off of. Sure. Um, but from my experience, uh, it kind of, I feel at least it go, it goes a little farther than that. Like if as the drummer, if I don't know the pattern, the guitar player is strumming, or if I don't know, um, the lyrics of the song, or if I can't hear what the, what the singer is doing, or if someone's taking a solo, if I don't know what they're doing, I'm kind of not doing my job. Because, you know, music in general, and I think that this is this, I mean, this is kind of like one of the biggest things that, you know, I've learned over my years of playing music. It's that within an ensemble, it's all about listening. It's all about listening. And, you know, while I, yes, as the drummer, I need to make sure that me and the bass player are locked in, but it's. It's so much more than that there, you know, it, it really is about the, the ensemble as a whole. So one of the things, and, I, you know, this is something that, you know, I think that is a really important skill to have. It's it, knowing that, um, knowing where everybody is, because, you know, as the drummer, you know, everyone says, you know, you're leading the band and you're keeping time and all that kind of stuff. Maybe, but at the same time, like everyone's kind of doing that. And, you know, the drummer, we have to kind of like interpret all of that and, you know, kind of let the glue harden on all of that in a weird way and make sure that, you know, cause if this person isn't locked in and this person isn't locked in, well, there's something usually that I can do to, to help that, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, they're listening to me, but I'm also listening to them. So it's, it's, yes, it's, it's kind of, it's a, it's a relationship an unspoken relationship of listening that goes across the whole entire ensemble no matter what it is whether it's an orchestra whether it's a you know a jazz combo or a rock band or whatever
1: it's it's you mentioned something in there uh that i'd I'd love for you to elaborate on too because like i've obviously been to uh plenty of shows in my my life and and it's the solo right like Mm -hmm. you watch someone just go completely Mm -hmm. off the hinges right like how do you bring it back how do you guys know to bring that
2: back in interesting yeah that um well it, it's not always easy it, it's not it's not always easy um it, it, it it's uh in the most real sense of it a lot of times you it might be something along the lines where you say okay mr guitarist you are you get two times through the chorus and that's it you know, do whatever you want. We're following you and we're going to come and go, and we're going to follow you. But that's the amount of time that you have go, you know, and the rest of the ensemble and, you know, and you will, we'll get you there and we'll get you out, you know? So there's, yeah, we're kind of, you know, destroying everyone's illusions right now, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> but, you know, but sometimes it's like that, but sometimes It could also be a thing where it's like, okay, cool. We're going to be rolling along and it's going to go into a guitar solo. You do your thing and then, you know we're going to go from there. And that kind of, that's, you know that's, it's just a difference. And what that is, that kind of goes back to what what we were saying about listening, you know Mm -hmm. because when someone's soloing they're listening to the ensemble to know where they are because their solo has to make sense in terms of the rest of the music. So they're listening to what we're doing and then at the same time we're listening to what they're doing and we're supporting that and not only are we supporting that but we might be you know if they're really building up we're going to be egging them on we're going to be like saying hey this or if they're doing something that's really exciting we're going to build the energy and then we also have to listen where if it sounds like they're winding down and they're doing it we got to make sure that like okay cool it's over we're moving on now and then one thing to really kind of check out is that there's a lot of, you know, telepathy going on. Uh, You know, Mm. like there's a lot of like, you know, you'll see like the guitar player just like look over their shoulder or the sax, the sax player will like, like turn around and cue with their instrument or something like that. And it's a lot of just like little subtle cues. It could be eye contact. It could just be, you know, it could be a hand signal. It could be any number of different things, but we are all aware. Right. You know, at, at well, at least at its best, like there are sometimes that I've seen people, you know, soloists just keep going and going and going and going. And you can see the rest of the band being like, all right, man, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, you know, there's other, you know, there's other players, um, you know, who are really, really in touch with not only with what they're doing, but with the ensemble, you know, and that's, you know, it's, it's all about it's all about the group, you know, Cause, and it's all about making sure that what we are doing is all one idea and one thought.
0: so so all right, you've been a part of a number of ensembles, right? Mm-hmm. Some of them yeah. bands that you've been with a couple of years, some of yep. them just one-time gigs and everything like that. And um and I'm gonna lead you into a question that I know you would love to talk about. But like tell me first, what was one of the best ensembles or groups that you were part of, and why? Like what made the connection between you and uh, your fellow artists like just so tight?
2: Oh man, that's, that's a really difficult question
0: (laughs) because um, you don't have to drop names. I know that we have common friends and, you know, and (laughs) and everything like that. So, you know, you could just, you could talk at a a 30,000 foot view on that.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's different, Um, you know, because of all the different things and all the different groups that I've played with and all the different people that I've worked with over the years, it kind of really haven't ever done the same thing twice. You know, so it's like there was, you know, the band that I was in like late high school into the early years of college, um, which was more of like, you know, kind of like a like a progressive rock type band with crazy guitar solos and stuff like that. That was a really cool thing um, for a little while. And it's just kind of like that that kind of taught me how to really be in a band, you know, and how to deal with personalities and how to deal with all these things and how to deal with all of that. You know, and then the, the next thing that kind of happened after that, you know, was more like, OK, how do how do we write songs? How do how, you know, how do you, cre- you know, create and craft, you know, different things like that? And then another ensemble that I was in was like, OK, well, how do you how do you back up, you know, an acoustic musician who is, you know, kind of a singer songwriter and be more of a percussionist and more of a textures as opposed to just playing grooves and stuff like that? You know, and then you know, in in subsequent years and even currently, it's like, okay, cool. How do I play other instruments? You know, how, how do I be a guitarist? How do I be a keyboard player? How do I do all of these different things? So it's kind of, you know, it's there kind of isn't one favorite because it's it's to me, it's kind of like I don't know, even though a lot of those ensembles don't really exist anymore. You know, and by that, I just mean that, you know, we aren't playing, we aren't releasing anything new, like they're still a part of me and there's still, I'm still learning lessons from those groups years after being in them and years after doing what I did with them. Um, And there's always something where I can look back on it and say, oh, this is something that I dealt with then. I didn't even know I was dealing with that. This is something that I learned from that group that I didn't even know that I was learning.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But well, I know from knowing you over the years, though, you've had these special moments, right? Not necessarily like on, an, maybe on an album, you know, maybe, um, you know, doing a show, uh, you know, uh, and uh, to talk about some of those special moments that you've had and what made them like intimate or memorable um, uh, in, in regards to those experiences.
2: Sure. Um, so. The first time that I, played original music on stage was a really transformative thing. It was back in high school mm-hmm. at the Wrecker theater here in Towson, which is back now. They yeah. just, they just reopened and I'm <laughs> super excited to eventually go to a concert <laughs> and, and, and maybe even play a gig. remember gigs? Gigs yeah. were cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but yeah. So yeah, um, but it was on stage at the record theater with uh with my my very first real band cold taxi um yeah chris knows that name oh for for better (laughs) and for worse i know that name for better or for worse maybe we'll have to get into that story but uh, Uh, maybe we we might have to (laughs) to. i I, I am still sorry Uh, (laughs) um but uh But that moment was really something because I remember I was wound so tight and I was so incredibly, it wasn't nervous, but it was excited, you know, because I had played before. I mean, I'd always been in the school bands and stuff like that. And so I knew what it was like to play music in front of people. But to play music where I would say, no, this is mine. This is this is what I think this is. You know, even if it's just in a weird small portion of it, just like I'm just the drummer of this band. I didn't really write the chords or the lyrics or, you know, anything. I, you know, I just, I helped make the song, the song. So that moment right there, because when I got, when we got on stage, it was just this, you know, it's like time just kind of disappeared for a little while. And then there were people out, you know, you look out into the audience and there's people there some who you know, some who you don't, and they're listening. And, you know, and even if, and just as a way of saying like, what are these guys about, you know? And then, you know, seeing people that you don't know who may just be over at the bar, kind of, you know, sit there and look and act, you know, stop talking with their buddy for a second and look up and be like, oh man, this is, something cool's happening, you know? And that, yeah. that th- those kind those kind of moments um, are are really great. You know that so that that one always you know has a special place in my heart. Especially when you know you're playing, you know, I always say it's like that's my favorite song. I say that about every song that I ever played on ever. Um, you know, but like when you have your 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 favorite song and a little moment in it, and there's just something that you love, and you do it, and you see people reacting that's man that's such a cool thing well that that's it, it, definitely one of my biggest highlights
1: yeah and you've already talked about the art of connecting with the the, the ensemble and the bandmates right and the different mm-hmm. parts uh that make up right uh, the music what about connecting with the audience yeah talk to us about that right like how do you how do you have to make that connection? Is it, is it building the proper song list? Is it just like, they've got to connect with you? What's that like?
2: So it's, it's a really vulnerable thing. Um, because, you know, every time that any musician plays anything, you know, you're putting yourself out there in a position where you're just like, this is me, this is who I am. You know, I created this. And so you're kind of really, you're always putting yourself out there, you know, and no matter, no matter what type of music it is or what, I mean, honestly, any any artist is really doing that. Any like, you know, visual artist or writer or performer of any stripe. So that's kind of, it's a really personal thing. And it's, I forget who said it, but it's just like, you know, like the, you write a song and you play it. And you, you know, you rehearse it and you love it. And then the first time that you play it live, it's not yours anymore. Mm. You know, it, it's like that belongs to the audience. Like the first time, and you know, I mean, you think about that. It's like, how many musicians and artists do you know that like you hear, you've heard a song of theirs and you say, oh, that song is about me. You know, so it's like, so it's, it's about finding those moments and as many, You know as many of those moments as you can as you can foster with the audience it's kind of great and it's it's really funny because like there's you know you can go about it in a lot of different ways you know you can write songs specifically for your audience you know um and that but i've always kind of found maybe this is just me but like the music that i've always really connected to is the stuff where it's like this is the artist sharing about themselves And like, you know, even if it's just a completely fictionalized story and they're just writing a song, you know, there's always some sort of connection. So and I feel like audiences love that, you know, it's like when when especially like in terms of like, you know, pop, rock, things like that, Mm -hmm. where it's like where they can relate to the song itself. And it could be. And it's that whole thing where it's like the more specific it is, the more universal it is. And so. You know, coming up with that and then finding a way to kind of, you know, you know, couch your point of view on anything really inside something that people like and something that people relate to, you know? And even if it's about a lot of, you know, varying different things, like you go to a concert, um, it's not always just like one song about one kind of thing. You know, it's like there, there's, you know, fast songs, happy songs, slow songs, whatever um so but being able to do that and being engaging and having basically just having a point of view mm-hmm. and you know and and really being able to connect with your audience is probably one of the hardest things that we try to do because i know that i have you know been in bands and played with people where it's like we love a song we rehearse it it we sounds great and you go out and you play it and it's just like yeah okay cool that was a good song and then there might (laughs) and then there might be a song that you do later on that was just like we wrote this in 20 minutes you know on the car ride on the way here and it's just a fun little thing and then that thing makes everyone go bananas
0: that's awesome that's awesome um you know Like with that, too, um, you don't always get to pick your audience, right? I mean, there are times where you have maybe a house show, right? Like, And I know you've done a couple of those where it's private invite and things like that. But then there's other times where you're like, hey, it's the record theater or wherever. And the crowd. are, Are there times where you felt like you guys were on, but the crowd was off? Oh, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> can you t- talk a little bit more about like why you think that is like when the crowd's off yet yeah, you it sounds arrogant or prestigious but like like I-, I can sort of there are times where i felt like i was in a groove whether it was speaking or something like that and i'm just like these people are in a funk right like yeah. <laughs> talk a little bit about what you think that is or why that is
2: yeah so um that is one of the great mysteries of the universe, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, it, it kind of, it, well, I, I, it depends on the venue, I think. All right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and what I mean by that, it's like, if I am playing a gig um, at a restaurant, mm-hmm. all right, the band, we might be clicking on all cylinders and it might be the best show that we've ever played. But, you know, if people are there to eat nachos, that's why they're there, right. <laughs> you know? Um, they're, they're there to do what they have to do, which is hang out with their friends and there might happen to be music there. Mm. Um, so I think, you know, that that's definitely a thing. Um, and... It, it, it's a very interesting thing because a lot of times when, when the audience is not responsive and things like that, I know that I've done this before and I think all performers kind of do this. They kind of go into like self-preservation mode and suddenly everything becomes heightened and everything becomes a big deal and you're trying to be like, maybe if I do better, you know, and it could just be a thing where it's like it was raining on the way here and parking sucked. You know, and, (laughs) you know, like it's, it's little, you know, humans are funny little creatures, you know, and, you know, I have found that if people are intentionally coming to something, chances are they're, they're intending to have a good time. So if I'm playing a show or if I'm doing anything and someone has bought a ticket to be there, they are there because they're like, this is something that I think is worth my time and worth my money and I want to go see it. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like the, the unresponsive thing, you know, the unresponsive crowd or the unresponsive, uh, spectators, whatever you want to say, it's like, I think it's, it, it can be a combination of a lot of things. And, you know, and also sometimes it just might be like, um, you know, I think of people like if, you know, if, if you go to like a conference or something like that, and there's a musical artist, like at the end of day three, before everyone goes home the afternoon of day four, everyone's tired. They've been doing a lot of stuff. So they might be, you know, they might be enjoying what they're hearing they might be enjoying what they're seeing but they're just not they're just not giving the feedback that Mm -hmm. we would normally expect to receive or the feedback that we want to receive and that you know yeah
1: yeah well it it brings me up to something that i i I picked up uh you know on on your bio um that you know we're talking a lot about concert venues and Mm -hmm. songwriting and all these different things and playing with the band and I came across the fact that you've also played with like a pit orchestra, right? Yeah. On musicals and things yeah. like that, right? So so then if I'm not mistaken, maybe I am mistaken because I've only mm-hmm. been in the audience for that. But mm-hmm. can you even see the audience? Can you see the actual performers? Like what, what's it like? Yeah, right? Like what's it like Generally in, in that vein?
2: Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so playing with pit orchestras for shows and stuff like that is, that's a whole different ball game. Right. That is an entirely different thing um, because, well, for a lot of reasons. First of all. No um, busting into solos or anything like that? Yeah. Like, like yeah. The yeah. <laughs> just, no, you, you, you can't just, yeah, you can't just, yeah. No ad-libbing. No ad-libbing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You are, it is, that is a reading music type of, type of situation. I mean, even if, even if the show is more like pop oriented, You know, it is there, you know, there's always liberties that you can take, you know, just given the nature of the instrument, but, um, but depending on the show, I mean, sometimes you're just locked into the score and sometimes you're, you know, sometimes you do have a little bit of, um, liberties, but, you know, it's, I guess the first thing is that it's, uh, it's always, it's always the same music every single night, you know, it's not like, you know, you're going to come in on, you know, on day two and they're going to be like, OK, cool. Yeah. So here's tonight's set list. <laughs> you know, it's, it's always the same. It's always the same music. It's always the same thing. Um, all the same songs, all the same interludes, all, you know, the dance breaks are generally always going to be the same and things like that. But you're right. We can't see the cast Generally speaking, um, I know that in, uh, you know, for some shows, they will have like closed circuit monitoring. So like they'll have just like a static camera in the back of the room of like just the front view of the stage, which is important. So for like things like conductors and stuff like that, to be able to see the, you know, the action that's actually happening on stage. Um, But that right there, actually that, you know, this even goes back even further, because now, well, I'll say this first: Whenever you're playing in a in a situation like that, it's so totally not about you. You know, it's like I am. I am not there be because I need to show you what kind of drummer I am. You know, that's not that's not why anybody went and bought a ticket to Lay Miserables <laughs> <laughs> You know, it, so it's like that, that right there, that's kind of the first thing and kind of understanding that you are, you are the atmosphere for what's happening on stage. You're not on stage. You know, your sound is important and it is a valuable, you know, thing that is happening, but it's not the main event. That's definitely not why people are there especially as a percussionist. You know, if it's a show where like the band is on stage and you're visible, yeah, that's slightly different, but if you're down in the pit, that it, that you are completely you are there to essentially do a job, you know, and that yep. and your job there is to support the action that's going on on stage. Awesome. So that that's the first thing. And then the second thing kind of, you know, tied into that also is you um It's the same concept as like the, the whole being in a band thing, except that you are very far removed from the singer, you know, you can't see them. So you have to learn how to, it goes back to this, what we were talking about before. You have to learn how to listen. You learn the patterns of the speakers and you learn like, oh, okay, cool. This is a part that's just going to loop over and over and over again while they're doing their business on stage. And they might have lines and this part's just looping. And then when they say this word, we all have to go and move together and things like that. So it's, it's a very different kind of experience. And it's, it's kind of thrilling because it does leave some room for a lot of, you know, a lot of fun, even though it is the same, technically the same show every single night.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
0: So, so we're, we're going to pivot a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, we've been talking a lot about the relationships like you've had with other musicians and, and, and Mm -hmm. with the audience and everything like that, but let's kind of go back to, you started playing the drums at age six. Mm -hmm. You're, um, you know, maybe it starts off as a hobby, but it's becoming something more. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, tell us a little bit about like, um, your parents or the people who've influenced you, like, that realization that, okay, this isn't just a hobby. This is actually something I want to make like my vocation, my career. Like what did that look like? Was it, uh, what were some of the challenges you faced? And then what were Mm -hmm. some of the influences that kind of propelled you uh, in the direction that you're in now or where you are today?
2: Sure. Um, So, like I said, I started taking lessons when I was six. Um, For most of that time, my, uh, my grandfather sat in on all of my lessons mm. and yeah. So he was just there, he was the one who took me. And this was kind of like, this was just the thing that we did together is, you know, like we, he would come to my drum lessons. And then um, he would also, um, when I was practicing, he would stand and he would like be there while I was practicing and kind of keep me, on task and keep me focused and kind of made sure that I was doing it and we would fight and we would argue. And he'd be like, you did that wrong. Do it again. And to this day, to this day, I have no idea whether or not he actually knew what he was talking about. (laughs) Um, But, uh, but yeah, we used to fight like cats and dogs and just, you know, but like, he really kind of pushed me, you know, and it was very much this mentality of like, if you're going to do it, do it, do it right. So like that kind of, that mentality has kind of been instilled with me since the beginning, you know, like, I, you know, eight, nine years old and I, you know, I'm, I'm playing drums every day. I'm practicing every day, you know? And so like, at that point, you know, I've heard a lot of people say that, you know, they're like, I didn't even realize that this could be a job, you know, but like, I saw that people were in bands. I knew it could be a job. You know, I was like, this is and not even a job, but just like, this is something that I love to do and I want to do. These people are doing it. You know, I don't think that, you know, they go and are, you know, have a day job like, you know, like they, they're playing places all the time. This is what they do. So I kind of realized at a very young age that this is that this was more than a hobby. Like this was something that I wanted more than anything pretty much and it's pretty much been that since they like you know like I've always felt that way and I think that my parents um to their credit you know kind of got that you know because like it's really weird I'm sure having like a nine-year-old you know who's talking about like wanting to play stadiums you know it's like (laughs) you know like it you know understanding you know that like Okay, cool. This is something that he's really serious about. You know, let's do everything that we can to support that.
0: But I I, I would actually kind of push back against that because yeah. you know, I, with a 11-year-old uh, 11 and, 11 and an 8-year-old who dream of playing baseball in a stadium, right? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, you know, I have to give your parents a lot of credit because you know not I'm I'm not saying this about my sons like they're, they're good baseball players, but you're kind of like in the back of your head saying like, okay, but what are they really going to do? Right. You know, Mm -hmm. and um, you know, whether it's a musician or an athlete, right. The idea Mm -hmm. of when you're nine years old saying like, I want to be playing, you know, at this arena or that Mm -hmm. stadium or whatever, or this venue um, it's easy for parents just to say, okay, but they're going to be an accountant. You know, mm-hmm. no offense to accountants or no, a, no. The financial sector, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but like, yeah, it's like um, I, I, I got to give them credit on that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't I don't think that there was any doubt that they were nervous, you know, and I don't think that that there was, uh, you know, I, I, I'm sh- and I'm sure that like if, if you asked them, I mean, even to this day, they'd be like, I don't know what the hell he's doing. But like, do uh, they ever
0: drop the? When are you gonna get a real job? Uh,
2: line or? Um, not in a long time. That's good. <laughs> not in a very long time. Um, the the last time it happened, uh, I brought up the fact. It's like, well, I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this and I pay for all of it doing this. So I technically have five real jobs. So this is this is what it is this is how it's happening this is this is how it's going down you know and uh there you know there was there's that always been that realization where it's like oh yeah well of of course and so so yeah that has happened but not 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 so much recently you know it's you know it's and and thankfully (laughs) yeah
1: well when it when I think about, right, because, you know, I'm in the same boat as Chris, uh, you know, with having an eight-year-old daughter, and and she hasn't even begun to explore what she's going to be passionate about. And I don't think a pandemic has is, is really helped. <laughs> mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, there's this, that that thought, right, the Anders Ericsson, I think, you know, came up with the research of like the 10,000 hours,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? And I think, I think there's just an inherent sense that whether you're a parent or you're in the, you know, you're in the game or whatever it is that, like, you see that level of dedication Mm -hmm. in someone. And that becomes, that's where the rest of it branches out. You know, my, my brother one day comes home with a flyer in second grade and says, I think I want to wrestle. Right. And at that point, nobody knows that he's going to wrestle at the division three level. Oh, wow. It was legitimately, all of the hours of my parents taking him to weekend tournaments, right? Yep. It was all the hours, like, you, you know, uh, mm-hmm. taking him to practices after practices.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I, I'm sure you can relate to that a little bit, right? I mean, you've already started to touch upon it with your um, your grandfather in that relationship. But, you know, when you started to know at eight or nine or, or whatever it was, mm-hmm. you know, how did you, you know, did you have to lean into it further um or was it just the, uh, hey, I, I gotta do this every day?
2: Um, it, that, oh wow, that's an interesting question. Um, I think it was, it was definitely like, so at that point, probably, and kind of and as you grow older, you get a more clear kind of understanding of what that is. Yeah. But like, um, it was definitely a thing where I understood, I think, I, mm-hmm. I want to say that I understood I might be full of crap when I say this. So, <laughs> um, but I feel like I understood that everything that I was doing when it went, when it came to what I was doing was leading me in the direction that I knew that I wanted to be going, mm. you know, it's like, okay, cool. This is all stuff that I have to do. And so there were things that like, maybe I didn't understand, you know, and things that were difficult and things that I didn't want to do, but I knew that it was it was like okay this seems like something that i should be doing because this is something if it's new and it's different i might hate it but i think i should probably do it yeah you know so like you know so and so as as i kind of as i grew up it it became like you know i kind of learned that i'm probably going to have to be uncomfortable with you know with things and then probably lean into those things You know, and realize like as it became clearer and as I kind of went through high school and as I realized, you know, I would come home from come home from school every day and I would go down to my drum set and I would just play along with CDs um, for two hours, maybe do my homework and then practice the things that I had to do for my lesson, you know, after that. And like then realizing like, oh, I have to go to college. I'm going to go to music school because this is the thing. And kind of realizing like everything that I was doing and kind of everything falling into place to be like, Oh, right. Yeah. This is, this is where it is. This is, this is where I'm being, this is where I'm being led. This is, I, I, this is now something that is, you know, I know that I have something that I need to share and I want to pursue all avenues to make sure that I can do that.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So so, I mean, as you've, like, and there, there's so much, like, to talk about and everything like that, but um, currently, um, I know uh, you, you've been in part of these ensembles, uh, one of the things that, um, and Matt, I don't know if you know this, but one of the ways that Chris and I connected is the fact that he helped me uh, create um, a student worship band in the in the youth ministry that I was a part of. So he's a teacher. You teach at a drum school and everything like that. You give lessons. Um, yeah. So you're constantly working on these different projects. Tell us about some of the projects that you're uh, working on right now um, as a musician and uh, maybe even as a teacher.
2: Okay. Um. So the the current project that I'm working on, um, and the only uh, actually the only band um, that I'm in right now, it's not even a band, it's just a duo, um, is, uh, an acoustic singer songwriter duo, uh, called the meantime, um, me and my, uh, my partner, Ashley, um, we've been writing together for, I believe it's about three years now. Um, and, uh, we met, uh, on, uh, playing uh, in the wedding band circuit that's another thing that i do i play drums in uh in a in a wedding band corporate band um and she was uh a female singer on one of the gigs and so um we hit it off and since then we've become really close friends and uh we've been writing music together for about three years now and um we have uh our our, our debut album is coming out um on april 30th So Mm. it's called, it's called watercolor map. It'll be out on all streaming platforms and for download. And uh, that is something that has been just, that's been really an amazing experience. And being in the meantime is probably one of the most, uh, one of the most, I I know that the album is probably one of the most uh, proud that I've ever been of any, recording that i've done any album that i've been a part of um mostly because uh i am not the drummer on it
0: yeah Uh, i was gonna say this album is unique because you've worked on other albums before
2: yeah a lot of them (laughs) But,
0: but right right but this is like this is you You know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, not to downplay some of the other, but the other ones you were either producing or you just, you're playing parts or or whatnot, but this is Mm -hmm. you. And, um, it tell us a little bit about the emotional, like, and, and physical and time, you know, just the, the investment, um, that you've, you've made into that.
2: Oh, of course. So, um, one thing that I had always kind of been doing just for me kind of behind the scenes is I've been kind of teaching myself how to play guitar. Um, and I'm an entirely self-taught guitarist. I've never taken a lesson in my life. Everything that I've learned about the instrument, I have learned from doing it, making my fingers do it, learning other people's songs on my own, figuring out, you know, what I want to sound like and how I want to do stuff like that. Um, And I did it mostly as a factor of when I was in other bands, I wanted to understand what the other people were doing. And I wanted to really know what they were doing so that I could best support them. And also when it came to writing the songs, I wanted to be like, Hey, what about this? Maybe you could try this, or maybe voice it like this or, you know, whatever, just basically to be able to speak the language of uh, my bandmates and collaborators and stuff like that. So I had always, you know, I've always kind of tinkered around with the idea of writing songs. And I I had written a few songs and they were okay. Um, and then, you know, I kind of had a bunch that I, you know, like a handful that I would, you know, that I would play that I would say that I was really proud of or really, you know, I really wanted to dig into. Um, and then, uh, you know, when you know, I started working with Ashley, uh, it was, it was really cool because the way that our musical sensibilities aligned, um, and the way that our personalities aligned. And, you know, also I sing on the album as well. I'm, you know, I've, I've been singing forever, but I've never really been, you know, I've never really been the front man of a group I've never been like the lead singer I've always sung harmonies and background vocals and stuff like that so you know to be suddenly in a group where it's just two of us where it might just be you know guitar ukulele and two voices or piano and guitar and two voices or one voice or just me um it really the investment of time like you were saying chris just went up exponentially because ashley has a master's degree in voice she's one of the best singers i know probably the best singer i know and just remarkably talented and can sing everything i you know i could i could listen to her sing the pf chang's menu and i would buy that album (laughs) um but um i realized like oh, man, I have to be able to hang. Like, I have to be good, you know? Because not only do I need to, uh, does, does this need to sound good, but if all of a sudden, like, I can't hang, well, she's not going to want to work with me anymore, you know? So I needed to be, I needed to up my game a lot. And so in terms of songwriting, in terms of my guitar playing. Cause you know, now it's not like, Oh, someone will take care of that. This is the bones. Someone will play the parts. I had to write parts. I had to write, you know, the music, you know? And then on top of that, I had to, you know, I had to be a lead singer. I also had to be a backup singer. I had to do a lot of different things. So it kind of, it really stretched me to, uh, like I said to up my game number one but then number two it also really uh kind of pushed me creatively to be like okay cool I know that I'm not you know a world burner of a guitarist I can hang and I know what I can do so how do we make how do we how do we embrace that and how do we make that the thing and that's kind of that's kind of what we did, and that's kind of how we work as a band. It's you know we we both have very uh, you know specific skill sets that we bring to this and we bring to the group, and then the way that we sound is the you know just a perfect culmination of all of those uh, all of those skills. Which you know honestly that's that's what you're always looking for. You know you're looking for that 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 synergy
0: it's really interesting to hear you talk about the creation of an album versus like the um the performance of a of a song right sure. so when when you're doing when you're performing a song on stage right uh versus uh uh performing that song for an album right there's uh, it, it sounds like there's just a lot more wh- with the show, there's almost the feeling like, okay, we can get this right next time. If, if there's a mess up, we can get this right next time. Where with the album, it's like permanency. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, um, you know, almost kind of like, we're going to just do this for the album, even though we can't necessarily ever do this live. Right. Sure. Um, So was there with, with some of these songs that you were creating, how many of them were ones that you had taken from, doing live to maybe putting on the album versus ones that you just created for the album. Does that make sense? So
2: yes. So this album, uh, every song on watercolor map, that's the name of the album. If I didn't say that before, I don't remember, but, uh, every song on the album we have played live before. And so that was actually, that's kind of one of the cool interesting parts of this album is because um we probably decided to make this album uh probably summer of 2019 we decided that like we were going that we were going to do it and we recorded it um at the beginning of 2020 january of 2020 right before uh something happened i believe that there was some sort of worldwide event yeah something yeah that had happened (laughs) um but uh so we we kind of knew what we wanted and when we had decided to make the album we probably at that point probably had about roughly seven or eight songs I want to say and then we took the time and we had I mean like finished I want to say and then we had a bunch of other ones in the pipeline that were that were coming along and we were working on so we pretty much didn't write anything new or specifically for the album. Everything that is on it, uh, we have played and we workshopped. And you can probably find, you know, on my computer, probably five or six different versions of verse two, (laughs) you know, and, you know, uh, in voice memos of us sending little, snippets of lyrics back and forth and, hey, what about this? Or, hey, I just wrote this chorus. Or, oh, this chord progression is really cool. Maybe we could use something with this. And so um, that was a really cool process because we went into the studio with a pretty clear vision of what was going to happen. And honestly, we kind of had to because uh, we only had uh, seven days in, uh, in the studio, you know, seven full days. We, we locked out the studios at the Peabody conservatory where I went to school and where Ashley also went to school. Um, so, um, the studio manager there, Ed Tatro, um, who is an awesome person, Chris, Chris, you know, Ed, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, He, um, he engineered our album and, um, you know, he, he locked out the studio for us um, over like at the end of their winter break. And we just had seven days of just dedicated work to basically to make this album a reality. We actually needed uh, an extra day or two because I got sick over the album and we, you know, you record the vocals last and my voice, I didn't have a voice by the end oh man so we had to actually add on a couple days so we i think i believe we've we though we finished it um we had like one extra day that i had to go in and just spot check the stuff that i couldn't get through awesome Um, um but yeah so so everything was kind of visualized beforehand um and we went in knowing what we wanted um and kind of also to what you were saying before as well is like, we, um, everything that you hear on the album with the exception of, with the exception of the title track, um, we added instrumentation to. So, um, Oh, actually even, even the title track. Yeah. There, there's bass on that. So, I mean, when we perform live, it's just the two of us. Um, but, um, we augmented everything for the album. So there's bass on all the tracks. We had, you know, we had a couple different bass players come in. Um, We had uh, a cellist come in, a violinist come in. We had friends of ours come in to sing vocal, you know, other additional background vocals Um, and just like a lot of different things, like multiple guitar parts. I played percussion on the album. I actually did play drum set on one of the songs. It's kind of like a little jazzy song where I play brushes. Um, So You know, we did all of that for the record, but all the songs, well, the coolest part, I think, is that it was born out of uh, us playing these songs live, you know? So, like, the songs can stand up on their own. The songs don't need that, you know? Like, they are, it's enough for us to play those songs And they mean the same thing and they feel the same way, but you add on that extra veneer. It's like, okay, cool. This album is, it is something special because when you see us live, that's not how you're going to hear the song. So it's a, it's a kind of, it's a special thing to actually hear it fully instrument, you know, fully uh, orchestrated, I guess, and all these extra things. And then when you hear us live, you hear the exact same song with just the two of us and it hits the exact same way maybe not the exact same way but it hits in a different way that doesn't seem like anything is missing yeah well
1: chris um and i don't know chris wesley if you if you've got anything else here but um just give us again uh where we can find the album the name of Mm -hmm. your band the name of the album so that you know four weeks from uh or you know in the very near future Uh, people are going to be able to, uh, you know, find us.
2: Sure. So the band is called uh, The Meantime. Um, You can find us uh, on Facebook at, I believe it's The Meantime Band. Um, You can find us there. Uh, You can find us on Instagram at the.meantime. And uh, we are promoting it currently. So you'll see all of our videos and you can go back through all the back catalog and see all the other things that we've posted, um, on both of those places. Um, it'll be available on Spotify and Apple music and everywhere that you listen to music for download and, um, and for streaming, uh, on April 30th. So, um, just kind of keep your eyes and ears out for that. Um, go and pre-save it on Spotify. I believe that's up, um, should be up by now, depending when this is going to be,
0: This will be, uh, uh, late April. So,
2: okay, cool. Yeah. So you definitely go and pre-save the album. Um, you can find it all there and you can follow me on Instagram at chris.parazio and you can follow Ashley on Instagram at Ashley daily music.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey, Chris, just one last question. Just one last question. Um, you know, as we're kind of, cause um, you've, you've done so much in your career and I know that there's still so much uh, left, uh, ahead of you and everything, but, um, what, like for someone who is listening to this and they're like, you know what, I, I want to tap into that music. Uh, like maybe it's a young college student about to graduate and enter the, into the real world. What kind of advice would you give them? And maybe not just from a musical standpoint, but what, what type of advice would
2: you give a young driven college student? Um, you have to do it. You have to do it, um, and this is probably going to be just me giving advice to myself. But um, y- you know, if there's something that you really want, you know, no one's going to do it for you. You you have you have to go, you have to go and do it. You you have to, and you have to give yourself the time to do it. Um, you know, it it's art takes time, art takes time, music, music takes time. So don't feel like, um, and a lot of people think, you know, you have to be creating all the time and to a certain extent you do, you always have to be, you know, you, you need to, if, if, if you are making art for people, you need to be, you need to be doing that, of course. But um, it takes time. It takes time. And you need to give yourself that time and you need to give yourself the grace and you need to, you need to not be afraid of, of messing up because it's going to happen. You know, you're going to, you're going to do, you're going to write a song that you love that nothing happens with you're going to be in a band that is the best and you're having the best time of your life and suddenly, you know, another, you know, one of the members, the bass player wants to go to grad school. You know, and you're like, "Well, okay. I'm yeah. that's 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 what it's going to be." So, you have to, you know, for someone who's just getting out there and just getting started, just Do it. Take all the gigs in the world. Go play at that bar at two o'clock in the morning for nobody. Because you know what? What else are you going to be doing? Sleeping? You know, go do it. Eventually you can say no to those gigs. You know, eventually there comes a point where it's like, no, that's, that's not what it's all about anymore. You know, but do it and make sure that you're doing it and make sure that it's, you know, you're always moving towards what your goals are. That's, that's the biggest thing is you always just need to, where, where do I want to do what, what is it that I want to do? Do I, do I want to be playing stadiums? Do I want to just release albums? Do I want to, you know, do I just want to write songs and post them on YouTube? Uh, you know, or do I just want to make covers for fun because that's fulfilling for me, whatever it is, just move towards it and just do the best that you can. Um, and, Always be moving towards that goal, because if you're not, someone else is.
1: And and doing all those things, right, you figure out what that one thing is for you that you really drive towards, right? Oh, it's oh of course. All, it's all that stuff. Because yeah. you can't just say, I'm going to do this one thing, and it ends up being that one thing. It's like all the behind the scenes, all the unseen hours, right, that nobody else sees before watercolor map comes out. right is why you got to this point.
2: Ab, ab, absolutely. A- absolutely. It's um I always tell I always tell my students about this. It's like um when you practice it sounds bad. Like and it should sound bad because that means that you're actually getting better. You know, that means that you're working on something that isn't there yet. You know, if if you're practicing and it sounds good, yeah, you're you're kind of maintaining, but you're not necessarily getting better. Cause it's already, it's already something that sounds good, you know? So like, it's, yeah, it's exactly like you were saying. It's like, it's all of that work that you put in. It's all the stuff that, you know, that you don't post on Instagram that, you know, that that no one really cares about, you know, I tell my students this all the time. It's like, no one wants to see you practicing rudiments. No one cares about that. What they do care about is, you know, when you're out there presenting yourself, that you've, they don't care that you've done the work, but the work shows itself. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, and that's, that's the thing. So just like you said, just all the hours, all that unseen stuff, all that, all that, you know, all that, all that work that makes the end result possible.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Parazio, my friend, it's always great talking with you. And um, we'll definitely be, uh, posting all the links to, um, to, to, uh, your album, to, um, the band and everything in our show notes. And, uh, and dude, it's always a pleasure. And, uh, I know we didn't even talk about it, but next time we'll connect is I'm sure movie club, which you'll have to catch me up on. But anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, oh, thanks again yeah. for, yeah, we'll, we'll, save that for off, uh, off air, but, uh, man, thanks again for being on the show.
2: Absolutely. My pleasure. Happy to be here.
0: Matt, again, another great conversation. Um, I don't think we would air a bad conversation, by the way. But anyway, <laughs> another great conversation. I uh, loved having my buddy Chris on the show. But um, you know, I talked enough about him at the at the intro. Um, what, what were some things that that you pulled away? What were some things that really resonated with you um, in our conversation with Chris?
1: So Chris is just a charismatic guy, really easy to to talk with, and um, really passionate about what he does. Right? Yeah. But but I really hope our listeners either go back and re listen or had their pen and paper out because there were two big things I took away and I want to jump into the first one and then we could jump back to the other one. So the first thing was songs from the artist's perspective better relate to listeners than a song crafted for the listeners. Yeah. yeah. And then the first time you play a song live, it's no longer yours. It's for the audience yeah yeah that just that communication and connection of song to the audience man that, that just really hit home
0: yeah and and i've heard him talk about that on uh, um in a variety of different times just right like the connection to the audience and, and to the crowd and and as much as he just loves creating music and, and and playing for um himself uh he's he's definitely a self uh selfless guy in regards to how he shares music and and, and part of the reason why He was such uh him and his friend simon why they were such great mentors for the young people that they mentored when we had our uh the student worship band going um because they just knew that he was going to be able to pass that on and and that shows with how he teaches you know um in in the drum school that he is a part of um so lots of great wisdom that that was coming uh, from chris and i hope other people were listening to that too um anything else that that popped up to you
1: yeah, the other one—it was almost not even music-related. It was just like really great advice,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, and so the first part of it was, if there's something that you really want, you just have to go for it, right? Because nobody else is going to do that for you. And so, you know, in his perspective, it's like you got to take the gigs that nobody wants. Mm-hmm. You've got to realize that art takes time, which you can apply to so many different things. And I also loved when he said, when you practice, it sounds bad, but it should, because it's how you know you're getting better.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was good stuff. That was really good stuff. And, you know, it, it's funny because um, we've had a couple of artists now on the show, right? Um, videographers, uh, muralists, uh, um, you know, and, you um, Neither you you and I are, you know, self-proclaimed artists by any means, you know, and we're not going to brag about that or anything like that. But I can't tell you how much I appreciate learning from the artistic process. Um, Now that we've had people in different sort of genres or fields and and, and everything like that, um, you see some of these commonalities, just like you talked about with what Chris said, where, you know, you need to go for it, Uh, no one's going to give it to you, you know, this connection with the audience and things like that, I think are are so key. And so um, again, um, I think uh, it was such a gift to have Chris. And, um, you know, as we kind of uh, wrap up things here, uh, we definitely want to promote Chris's new album, Uh, that is coming out and uh, again you can find it um, or maybe when you're listening to this it's already released we'll have a link to it in our show notes it's uh, from his band uh, The Meantime so you definitely want to check it out Um, and uh, we'll have all sorts of ways that you can connect with Chris and and the album and the band you know after uh, uh, this episode But uh, if you want to learn more, not just about Chris, but past guests we have had in past episodes, uh, feel free to go to our website, BetweenTheMiles.com. And if you enjoyed this conversation with Chris or any of our guests, we would love for you to leave a review, especially a five-star review um, on Spotify or uh, iTunes or anywhere that this podcast can be heard. And, of course, please share it with your friends, your family, your neighbors. Use it as an icebreaker. Uh, Use it as a way to talk to that person that you've always wanted to talk to. Uh, We just love the fact that you are a part of this journey. And of course, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, on behalf of Matt, I'm Chris. And thank you for joining us Between the Miles. This has been a Between the Miles production. Your hosts, Chris Wesley and Matt Wells. Music provided by JAN Studio Wide Open Road. For more information, visit our website at betweenthemiles.com.